TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. The following is a paid political message. Serving. It's been the Swazi family's guiding principle. So Tom Swazi served food at a soup kitchen during law school, then kept right on serving for 30 years as a mayor, county exec, and U.S. congressman, always believing in what's possible, not political, offering a hand up to anyone who needed it. We could use one now. Tom will make New York safer by lowering taxes and fixing schools to make it more livable. That old-fashioned thing called serving the public. So if you're ready to vote, Tom's ready to serve. Tom Swazi, a common-sense Democrat who gets things done, has been endorsed by the New York Post, paid for by Swazi for New York. When my garage door wouldn't work, who did I call? I called Mordechai at H&O Garage Doors because Mordechai is a specialist not only in fixing garage doors, they do low-priced garage door tune-ups, but they actually put in garage doors. They have a 24-hour emergency service, and they offer high quality at fair prices. The winter inspection is only $59, great value. So do what I did. Call Mordechai at 718-710-6468. That's 718-710-6468. Senior citizens get 10% off, and, of course, Mordechai will gladly give you a free estimate. Again, for all garage door service and needs, repair and installation, call H&O Garage Doors at 718-710-6468. Again, 718-710-6468. All the work is guaranteed. And they are licensed. Tell Mordechai that Zev sent you. Good evening and welcome back to Mask's weekly radio show on Family Matters. Mask, mothers and fathers, aligned saving kids. Kids of all ages and all stages for all mental health struggles, including addiction. If you know someone that needs a referral for a therapist, an inpatient or outpatient program, a new school for September, please give us a call. Our number is 718-758-0400. I'll repeat the number. You may want to jot it down for yourself a loved one, a neighbor, or someone you usually would sit next to and show. We are still offering parent groups by Zoom. So if you want to join, please, Sunday night, Dr. Shmuel Brachfeld. Monday nights, Dr. Debbie Ackman. Tuesday nights, Dr. Trish Atia, Wednesday night, Rabbi Dr. Ben-Sion Tversky, call us to register at our confidential number, 718-758-0400. I'm very, very honored to have on with us tonight somebody that I've been wanting to have on for a very long time and happy that we're able to finally have him on, and that is Avi Ben Mordechai. He is a psychotherapist. He's also a certified hypnotherapist, and he specializes in trauma, stress, and anxiety. 
he uses different modalities uh, in behavioral therapy, DBT, Sandtrain, many different modalities that work well with dealing with, you know, phobias, anxiety, depression, OCD, and family conflicts. And why I'm so happy to have him on because he does therapy in a very different fashion as well, which we will ask him to share. So thank you for making the time coming on tonight with us. Welcome, Avi. How are you? Hello, hello, hello. I am so honored. It's my honor to be on this uh, radio show. Good evening, everyone, to all the listeners, um, and also just to be a part of uh, the mask uh, program because it's it's such an incredible uh, thing that you're doing for the community for so many years. Uh, so for me to be a part of it tonight, I am I'm, I'm I'm so honored. Thank um, you, thank you. So Avi, I want everyone to know first. Let's get to know you and. Just tell my listeners, how did you get into the field of social work? And you call yourself Center One Therapy. How did you pick the name? That's a great question. So Center One Therapy, you know, when I when I was into the field of social work, I wanted to I, I wanted to look ahead of time, you know, in 10 years from now, what would I want my practice to look like? And I wanted to develop a place where we can have play therapy, talk therapy, pets, therapy animals, helping people heal from different types of trauma that they went through in their life. And it, 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 for lack of a better word, um, it's like a one-stop shop. Be having access to all different forms of therapy, creating a clinic for children, for teenagers, for, for adults, for seniors, to be able to have access to professional mental health assistance and also doing it in a very out of the box type of way. Um, and there's so much scientific research that shows how much animals help humans heal. Um, and also when working with teens and even young children, offering them some play therapy is a very comforting way of talking about difficult conversations. So that's really where the name came from and letting the client know that you are the center. It's all about you. You know, sometimes when we go through life and people, people tell us to act a certain way and be a certain way and, and don't accept who we are and shut out our true identity, we kind of shift to please people. But our own true nature and characteristics are hidden. So in my practice, it's all about understanding who you are and accepting yourself and being comfortable in your skin. Thank you. Avi, what population do you work with? Let my sure. listeners understand the ages, sure. you know, sure. in general. Sure. So at this point, I work with children, um, with children, with teens, with adults, uh, with seniors. We work with different types of life challenges that come up. So with children, I would work with um, issues, uh, school related issues, ADHD, difficulties uh, focusing in the classroom, difficulties having healthy communication skills with family members, getting along sibling rivalry. 
and helping teenagers figure themselves out. You know, sometimes during that stage in life, it can be really hard to figure out where you fit in the world. Sometimes you try to do different things and things just don't seem to be clicking. So when we talk about different areas of mental health in therapy, we help the client understand where they belong in the world and normalize that feeling that they have where sometimes they just, they're figuring it out and that's okay. And a lot of the times when I work with couples, we try to be able to to help each one of them know the other person's perspective. So this way they can live a happier, healthier, more balanced life and experiencing more joy. You know, when, when we send um, clients upon their request for rehab, uh, one of the areas um, that they, one, one of the different programs that they have at the rehabs is equine therapy. Do you mm-hmm. want to explain about equine therapy and how Absolutely. it relates to uh, what you do? Absolutely. So equine therapy is working with horses. It's pet therapy, working with horses, grooming them, walking them, uh, you know, feeding them, touching them. The sensory stimulation that a person gets is so incredible. At this point, we're actually working on um, getting some horses, some miniature horses to join the team. At this point, we don't have it yet just because of licensing. We have to get uh, different types of permits, but we do have a lot of different other type of animals, which really serve the same purpose. We have therapy dogs, cat, bunny, parrots. We even have, this is an interesting one, we even have tarantulas. Yes, real live tarantulas. And you might ask me, why in the world does a therapist have a tarantula as part of his pet therapy team? And how in the world can that be therapeutic? Well, I'll tell you, one of the biggest fear in the world is arachnophobia. That's fear of spiders. And you'll be surprised. Even Are you I- speaking about me, Avi? <laughs> I'm raising my hand. <laughs> well, look at that, you know. So, and it, it comes up where even adults have to, can't even go into their room or to the kitchen or to their living room because they know they may have a spider there or some kind of bug and they wait for their spouse or somebody, an older child to come in and, and you know, and take care of it. So we want to show the person that they are in control, getting back into their senses, having control over their body sensations and being able to relax in the presence of, you know, a a bug, a spider. And, you know, so this way we can help them with the exposure therapy. I do the same thing with dogs. Dogs can be the most incredible, the most friendliest. However, also there are people being that if they either had a certain type of trauma or were scared when they were younger, they are afraid of dogs. So being able to do some exposure therapy with people to help them overcome their fear of dogs is also one of the tools and techniques that I use when helping people in session. So we have pythons also, and you may ask, why do I have a python and how can that be therapeutic? Actually, you know, with teenagers, you want to be able to find the key that works for them. And we want to try to figure out and fill up our toolbox as much as we can to find the pet that that children connect with. And sometimes when we're talking about the most difficult things that a person went through and they have a, a this massive, huge six foot python on their laps while they're talking about it, while holding it and petting it that guard that they have naturally just falls and they're able to be vulnerable and open up and talk about what's bothering them. And it's a very safe, 
calm, relaxing environment. For some, if this pythons and and, and uh, tarantulas don't work, we definitely have you know other furry animals that people love, like dogs and cats, and and really cool exotic parrots. And and it, it, it's just such a nice mix. And even for seniors, when we actually go to uh, many of the hospitals in New York City, and I work in the psych wards uh, with with different types of clientele. It's such a comforting experience for them just to be able to take it in. The sensory stimulation as they pet the animal and look at them in the eyes and share their story about their day and the difficulties that they went through. And me just kind of taking a step back and just watching the interaction. It's such an incredible, powerful experience. And it's definitely one of my favorite parts of being a therapist. Definitely. You know, you talk about spiders. Um, interesting. I, I, I'll never be your client to learn <laughs> how to love spiders. That I will okay. tell you on the ear. But All right. one day when I came home, there was a spider on the ceiling in my bedroom by the ceiling fan. Yeah. A big one, one of these jumping ones kind mm-hmm. of spiders. Mm-hmm. And I took a chair and sat outside my bedroom to watch him until somebody came, literally. But I was on the phone with my friend and it was so interesting because if I turned on the fan um, and it went around a minute, I thought he would move, he was just parked. And when I turned off the ceiling fan, he went around and around and around the fan and then would stop. Wow. And then if I would turn it back on for a second and then turn it off, he went around and around. He followed the fan. What is mm-hmm. that? Like That's a, <laughs> that's a great <laughs> question. Well, first off, I want to just say, if you noticed, you mentioned um, I won't be your client and you will not make no. me love spiders, right? No. So that's a great point that you mentioned. My goal is never to make someone love the animal. Like if someone, if someone is afraid of a dog, my goal would not be for them to love the dog and now buy a dog as a pet. The goal is to be able to regain control over a person's life. So if, for example, someone needs to go to work, but they live in a building that has a bunch of dogs, right? And, and because, and they live on, let's say, the fourth or fifth floor. And because of that, they never go into the elevator. Or every time they walk on the sidewalk, there is someone walking a dog there. And it delays their uh, their time. And they can't, they constantly, they're late to work. They constantly, they start sweating and, and go to work in this anxious state. And constantly afraid that a dog might pop out, pop out or a spider might pop, might pop out. And the point of it is learning to be in control over your environment and over your own reactions. Okay. So, <laughs> I, I, I definitely sat on a chair, needed to speak to my friend. My, my, yeah, it was my friend. Yeah. And watch it so it doesn't leave that ceiling until right. one game. So I, I I got in control, but I wouldn't go in the bedroom. The, by the way, the the um, the reason why the spider wasn't moving when the fan was you know was turning, they are incredibly the the legs are very sticky, and they can if they stick onto something and they want to stay there, they will not move. And as soon as it stopped. The spider possibly felt like it can be more in control, so this way it can move around as 
as needed. But when things are moving, it needs to be stable. So they're they're really wow. smart animals. Yeah. Oh gosh, hope I don't get to see one again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Avi, so tell me about some strategies actually that you do use when working with clients. You say you go to, you know, the psych wards, but like if a young adult teenager comes to you, they have experienced trauma. Yeah. What and they choose a dog or a cat mm-hmm. to use for therapy. Give us some strategies, please. Sure, sure. So I'll start off by saying get comfortable with uncomfortable. That is the number one strategy to overcome anxiety. You know, whenever we're dealing with a difficult or or anxious situation, our body wants to go into fight or flight. And what that means is our brain always wants to be comfortable. That's the job of the brain, to make sure you're comfortable. And sometimes being comfortable is not the best thing for us. So, for example, if let's say a a student has a presentation that they need to do in front of their classroom, right? Their body is going to tell them, I don't want to do this and I need to run. I want to avoid the situation, right? But when you allow yourself to be uncomfortable and take in that moment, And notice that anxiety is like a cloud. It comes, but it also passes. So when you take in this moment and understand that um, when working with hypnosis and part of my training is learning about hypnosis and hypnotic suggestions and how the brain, this conscious and subconscious mind works, right? If you look at anxiety and allow your anxiety to go up to level 100, Once it hits that level 100, it will eventually start going down. Now, of course, you want to make sure you're safe. You want to make sure you have some water, do some deep breathing, stay, we want to work on some mindfulness skills. What what is a mindfulness skill? Even being able to be present in the room. A lot of the times when a person is anxious, they think about the future, a scenario that doesn't yet exist. So if they are just present, being able something simple, like, you know what, let me, I'm getting anxious. I feel like my heart rate is going higher. I'm starting to sweat. I'm not able to breathe. Well, take a moment, start doing some deep breathing. Notice five green things in the room. Notice three different sounds in the room. Notice uh, five red things in the room. Just being able to be present. Your brain cannot think about two things at one time. So it, think about, well, we can talk about um, a spider, let's say, right? You know how a spider is like uh, creepy and crawly and tries to, you know, make its way into uh, a room or somewhere, right? Same thing with I'm your glad you, I'm glad you, you said creepy. <laughs> yes, at least, well, for sure. We're, we're on the same page. We are okay. on the same page. But being able, to, being able to notice that you have the power to push it away. It will try to come crawl back in and you push it away. And in the beginning, it's going to take a lot of time to get into this habit. When a person overcomes, works on their anxiety, two things are happening. They're breaking a habit, but they're also making a habit. And it's about conditioning how your brain patterns work. So is it possible for a person to overcome their anxiety? Absolutely. Will it be easy? Most probably not. And that's what it is. If a person is willing to work on their mental health. I always say this in therapy. You can bring the horse to the water, 
but you can't make a drink. You know, a person, in order to make change, a person really needs to want to make the change. And one of the questions I ask my clients in the beginning of the sessions is, why do you want to make this change? Why are you here? And why are you here now? And usually it's because people say, you know, I'm, I just, I can't live like this anymore. It's just too much. It's too intense. I'm noticing how my relationships are getting damaged because of it. My school is, my, me being in school is being damaged or me being at work, my relationship with my spouse, my relationship with my children or my, my coworkers. And I don't want to live this painful life anymore. I want to be able to experience joy. So in order to experience that joy, you have to be able to work through the difficult fears that you may have and sort them out. Because a lot of the times when I work with my clients and we actually get to that anxiety and what is that anxiety? They don't know. So anxiety has, it's, a, it's, it's like this facade. It's, a, it's an illusion that some, some doom will happen to you. And ask yourself, what, what happens if that doom does happen? What would my life look like? actually allow yourself and investigate your thought patterns. A lot of times people are very uncomfortable with doing that. And in therapy, you do it in a safe place with, of course, without any type of judgment. And it's all about helping the person understand the patterns of their thinking. Avi, how did you get into pet therapy? That's a great question. You know, I um, when I was in school, I bought, I, I got a puppy, I got a dog and I wanted to, and of course I didn't want this dog to, to stay home. I, growing up, I always wanted to be a, a veterinarian, but you know, as I, as I got older, I noticed, you know, vets, they have a really tough job because they're usually working with sick animals or putting animals down. And that's not something I really wanted to be involved with. And I always, always loved animals. Um, and when I was in my second year of my master's program, I got a dog. I got a golden retriever puppy. And I remember at the time I worked with a child who was ADHD and also loved animals. And I told the mother, I said, you know, I got a dog would, and I think it would, he would love it. He would benefit from it greatly. Would you like me to bring it? And she said, sure. And it was such an awesome match. He really, really looked forward to this animal and he started to progress. He started to change. He started to look forward to the sessions and look forward to the goals. And he really appreciated that he had this animal whenever we met. So slowly, slowly, I started to notice how much benefit it's bringing. I started to do a lot of research on animal therapy and I took this dog to different type of schools to train her as a, ther as a certified therapy dog. And once I started to apply it with my older clients as well, I said, you know what, let me try to kind of open it up to another animal. And I got a bunny and then I got a parrot. And then, every and then from that moment, you know, I noticed the response of the community was so incredible. Something like this simply does not exist in, in, in the five boroughs, at least. You can find something like this, maybe, you know, in upstate or, you know, but not here, not in the five boroughs at this capacity, um, where we have three gold, beautiful golden retrievers. We actually, one of my golden retrievers had puppies and she had 10 puppies. And we took these puppies to nursing homes and assisted livings and hospitals and I mean, we have so many videos, uh, you know, of it on, on the website. 
And the seniors just, they, they loved it. We were doing Zumba. Zumba is this, uh, a very interesting type of exercise and, and, and workout for the seniors that we were doing. It just, it really made them so happy. So if we're, you know, animals have this interesting way of just speaking to the soul and they speak to those that really listen. So being able to connect with an animal and pet an animal and feed an animal, you know, feeding is a very nurturing type of activity. If we think about love, right? The biggest love in the world is the love of, of, of a mother and a child. Why is that? Because, of course, we're talking about in a healthy relationship, right? We're not talking about in a situation where, you know, there are, there, there are cases where children are, are not connected with their mother, right? But in a, in, a, in a healthy life, the mother's love to a child is, so, is unconditional because the mother constantly gives and through doing that through, through food, through feeding, so in session, we give the children different types of food to, to feed the animals. And you can see even their body language just shifts. It changes. A child who's so closed off and nonverbal. I had a case where a child, young child never spoke, was selective mute, and never spoke in public places. And in session, the child gave a treat to the dog. And I said, I, I modeled what the child needs to do. I said, sit, can I have paw, lay down, give treat. I said this to the dog and the child repeated exactly what I did. And the mother started crying and I said, what's, what's going on here? She said, my child doesn't speak ever. This is the first time I heard my child speak in a public place. So this is such, a, and I can't even take the credit for that because it's really, it's not me. It's the power of the animal. The animal, the presence in the room, it's such a, it's, it's such a comforting experience, you know, through my, through my years of working with all different types of populations, you need to be there to really understand what it is and how it moves children and how much of an impact it makes on their mental health. Avi, we are running out of time. It does sound just traumatic, amazing, and for you to be able to witness the changes it is huge. Yeah. But there is also different, um, you know, people that have phobias against yes. animals and people that uh, because of COVID are so full of anxiety today. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to continue this conversation. We are running out of time. Uh, I was wondering if you can give out your information, please. Sure, absolutely. Um, and I also, I, once again, I wanted to say thank you so much for allowing me to come to your platform and talk about this. It's, it's, it's so important just to bring it out to, to the Jewish community uh, that something like this does exist. Um, so my, if you're looking for more information, my website is Center One Therapy, C-E-N-T-E-R, O-N-E therapy.com. And my phone number is 718, uh, sorry, 646-824-7979. And you can call me, you can text me, and I would be happy to talk to you uh, for a completely free consultation. Um, and once again, you know, as you were mentioning, if, you know, animals are just one of the tools that I work with, there's a lot of different types of tools that I use to engage with people specifically, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, play therapy, DBT, uh, and different types of modalities to be able to help the people get to the place that they want to be. 
Well, thank you. It's wonderful having you on. And everyone should know that Avi is giving free consultation. You have to mention the word mask. Say yeah. you heard him on the radio show, you get a free consult. Yes. So thank you very much, Avi Ben Mordechai. And I want to wish everybody a very good evening, a beautiful Shabbos. And always remember, hang in, hold on, and for now, still virtually hug tight. Tonight's show is in memory of Rivka Bas Yisrael. Please consider to go online to maskparents.org and make a donation so that we could continue with all these wonderful programs and you could listen to all our previous shows. Thank you and have a good night. Dafti hilf in a dalmetcher, kidai zavelen. He had the strength to bring in a dalmetcher, via Chaza, Mishpuche, or the Wall Arbeiter, to Velenbutke. Free Wallen is from the 18th of Juni, is the 26th of Juni, and the Wall Tog is 28th of Juni. The Civic Engagement Commission, with Och Zistellen Dalmetchers in bestimmte Wallenplätze, in the letzte Softwoch von Free Wallen, in, in the Wall Tog, the 28th of Juni. For more information, go to participate.nyc.gov. The following is a paid political message. Serving. It's been the Swazi family's guiding principle. So Tom Swazi served food at a soup kitchen during law school, then kept right on serving for 30 years as a mayor, county exec, and U.S. congressman, always believing in what's possible, not political, offering a hand up to anyone who needed it. We could use one now. Tom will make New York safer by lowering taxes and fixing schools to make it more livable. That old-fashioned thing called serving the public. So if you're ready to vote, Tom's ready to serve. Tom Swazi, a common-sense Democrat who gets things done, has been endorsed by the New York Post, paid for by Swazi for New York.